This week on the Cinema Valley Podcast, we talk James Gunn's sequel to Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, Jolt on Amazon Prime Video, Werewolves Within, and Summer of Soul on Disney+. Hey everyone, welcome back to yet another installment of the Cinema Valley Podcast. I'm James, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Mr. Joe Hines. Joe, how the hell are you? I'm doing quite well, James. This week was a weird one because I feel as though we might have gotten the best, one of the best movies of the year, but I also watched what I think is one of the worst movies of the year. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting week. <laughs> quite uh, quite a contrast. We'll get into it in the reviews, obviously, but um, yeah, it was um, some absolutely smashing releases um, in the past seven days. I have to say, um, yeah, it's no secret that the Suicide Squad's fucking great. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't want to say too much now, but like, it's all I've been thinking about since uh, I saw it on on the thirtieth. Um, just absolutely amazing stuff. But uh, yeah, I've I've had a weird few days. I've just been, as we were saying before we started recording, I've just been playing hours upon hours of Fortnite. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it hasn't been good for my eyes or my, my general health. It's, it's becoming an addiction and I had pre misconceptions about what Fortnite was. It's a very fun game. It's a very fun game. It draws you in and drew me in a little too much. And I'm afraid that I will eventually, um, submit to the game's cruel, cruel currency system and my wallet will be um on the receiving end of that but anyway fucking v-books fucking Fucking v-books v-books everyone complains about fucking um you know the exchange rate and shit like that in cryptocurrency v-books is the real is the real fucking enemy it's the real killer absolutely yeah it's v-books is a mind killer for sure um but anyway we'll we'll move on to um or we'll start with the the movie news, and there wasn't like a, an abundance of stories, but the things that that came out are quite significant. So, absolutely. So at the start of the week, we got um, another Ridley Scott trailer. Um, you know, we got um, obviously the last jewel last week, which was phenomenal and an incredible historical epic. But this week, we got the trailer for the House of Gucci which stars Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, who you wouldn't recognize. Um, he looks completely different. Al Pacino, Salma Hayek, um, as well as many others. And it, it's like the trailer just, first of all, it was incredibly well edited together. Brilliant use of song. Um, but it's it, it kind of reminded me of like a Scorsese kind of gangster film. You know, you have all this family and lineage and power and... Um, you know how that changes people and affects people and um, the trailer was phenomenal like I really can't wait for this movie I like the way how they're using you know regional accents and um, that was one one of the issues I had with um, The Last Jewel you know they had these kind of weird hybrid accents like Ben Affleck he, he didn't sound English or American it was like a weird mix between the two of them <laughs> but this movie they actually they sound Italian um, you know they have the what I would consider to be like Italian accents. Um, 
And, you know, I don't know too much about the Gucci family or um, particularly this story, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to watch it. But um, it looks like a really great kind of, you know, true story that's just fraught with murder and, um, you know, diabolical Italians who are just hooked on fashion or whatever. It, it looks it looks incredible. Um, and I can't wait for it. Yeah. And I think it's coming out like a month, the same month as the last jewel. Um, so we're going to have like a Ridley Scott month, which is yeah. really great. I mean, one that, I mean, we talked about this not so long ago, like one of the most prolific directors um, probably ever, I would say. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Can't wait for Ridley Scott month. Uh, I think I'm a little more excited for the last duel, uh, just given the subject matter. Um but this, yeah, I thought the trailer looked really great, and I like I'm gonna see it anyway. But um, yeah, um, yeah, I like I like that they uh, went for the accents. Uh, I'll have to wait and see how good or bad they are. But I, I feel like they will be authentic enough, you know. Um, I mean, Lady Gaga is like uh, she her heritage is Italian, as far as I know. Uh, Al Pacino, obviously. Uh, Jared Leto's kind of well. Uh, Leto. We don't know what the fuck Jared Leto Leto is. Yeah, I don't think Jared Leto knows what the fuck he is. I don't think. Yeah, I think I think Leto might be. um, It's European anyway, but I don't know. And Driver, I don't know. I'm probably more Italian Driver as well. Um, Yeah, no, it looks it looks great. Like, and I was doing a bit of digging into the because it's a story I didn't know too much about. I knew that um, that you know uh, Gucci, the well, his grandson Rizzo Gucci was. you know, assassinated and all this, but um, Patrizia uh, Reggiani, who is who is uh, Murtu Gucci's wife, uh, she's in prison. She's still alive right now. Uh, she's seventy-two uh, at the moment, and um, she was interviewed in January when it was announced that um, Lady Gaga was going to play her in this movie, and she was over the moon. She was delighted that Lady Gaga would be playing her <laughs> in a movie. So. Um, yeah, um, so you know, at least she's happy. Uh, <laughs> she's like a criminal. Good know. for her. <laughs> Good for her. I mean, like you know, a long, a long fought battle uh, to be portrayed in the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, no, it looks great. Um, can't wait. Don't know what else to say. Uh, just, it's not a story I know that much about. I just did a bit of digging um, a few days ago, but no, it looks good. Um, any other news, Mr. Hines? Yeah. Um, so it kind of came out as a bit of a surprise to everyone, but, you know, it was announced a while ago that, um, they were thinking on doing another Predator film Mm. and Dan Trachtenberg was, um, attached. Dan Trachtenberg, he did 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was just an incredible movie. Um, I don't know why they called it Cloverfield, but... They did. I guess they wanted a, a, a bit extra juice on the box office. But um, look, they've just announced that they're doing another one. And not only have they announced it, but they've also said that it's nearly like three quarters of the way through production um, or principal photography. And the movie's going to be called Skull. And it takes place like very early on. They weren't specific about when it takes place, but um, they said it has more in common with The Revenant than anything else, which I think is very exciting. Um, and the lead will be a female hero, which with these kinds of movies, 
um, isn't uncommon. I mean, you know, you have Alien, Terminator, you know, Sarah Connor and, you know, Ridley. And um, it's, you know, I think it actually fits really well with these kinds of movies. Um, I, I really can't wait for this. I mean, I think, you know, I like Shane Black, but his Predator film was a fucking mess. Um, I think Predator 2 is an interesting concept, but I don't think it was a great execution. Um, I've kind of been clamoring for a Predator film that goes back into a jungle where it's just like an all-out just survival film. You know, um, that's what the first Predator was. It was, you know, man versus uh, the apex Predator, something more powerful and smarter and more advanced. That's what was so much fun about the first Predator film as well as all the stupid one-liners. Um, I don't know if we're going to get them in this movie, but you never know. Um, and with Trachtenberg directing, I think that's great. I think he, you know, I was listening to um, an interview that he had with, I think it was the Filmstruck guys, and just the way how he goes about, you know, making movies, how he likes improv, um, or at least controlled improv, and, you know, how he's very open to kind of working with crew and everybody having a voice, I think is... Um, very interesting and um, he's just an interesting guy to listen to so I'm very excited about this I think it's the best shot that we've had now in a while of getting a good Predator film so yeah this is good news as far as I'm considered I mean there was the, the Predator movie with um, that they had in development with um, with Bill Cosby there a few years ago and like he was going like full method with it and that's what led him to be imprisoned no, oh I'm shit! I'm wait, joking. How- I'm joking. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Wait, what? Is this like a fucking?" Uh, he- <laughs> oh my god! Uh, that was good. Thank you, thank you. That made me. Um, um, no, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was. Uh, while you were talking, I was in my head. I was going between mm, Kevin Spacey or Bill Cosby, which would be more entertaining. I was like, oh, Bill Cosby. Yeah. But fucking. <laughs> um, no, that doesn't exist. Afraid, I'm afraid that would be the greatest movie of all time. Um, but yeah, no, absolute lie. <laughs> Sorry about that, Joe. Yeah. I've derailed no, you. No, no, no. It's, no, it's great. Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> Bill Cosby. What a guy. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I like The real predator. <laughs> I mean, he just, he'd like use some sort of uh, tranquilizing dart and then he'd kill him. That's that's how he'd yeah. do it. That's what the apex predator would, would do. Um, yeah. Don't know how to segue out of that, but um, <laughs> there was a... Uh, Me either. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying here. Um, well... Uh, Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle. There's a movie about Blue Beetle happening, and they cast um, uh, a guy from Cobra Kai by the name Jolo Maraduena. Uh, he's going to be starring in Warner Brothers' Blue Beetle movie. Um, he'll be portraying the Jaime Reyes version of the character, not Ted Cord. Um, but um, yeah, this this is great. Uh, I mean, uh, like I think my first exposure to Blue Beetle was in Batman: Brave and the Bold, and they had um, they had this younger version of Blue Beetle as like the main 
um, iteration in that show. After the the first one died off, they killed they killed off the other guy. But um, yeah, no, I mean, like he's a. I don't watch Cobra Kai, but like this guy looks like Chimerius does in, in the comics and in you know Young Justice or or in any of the animated shows. So yeah, I'm all for it. Like um, this is going to be uh on hbo max only uh as as it stands batgirls uh coming to hbo max and um so is uh you know whatever project that michael b jordan is is doing that that superman project so um yeah can't wait for that looks you know looks looks promising and on the superhero front there have been reshoots for spider-man no way home that have been going on Charlie Cox was meant to attend uh, some sort of uh, Comic Con or, or something like that. Had to cancel his appearance because he was filming something. Didn't say what. He's in LA at the moment. Kirsten Dunst, Deborah Ann Wool, um, you know, palling around in LA at the moment. Tom Holland, Suicide Squad premiere in LA. Tom McGuire, I think he might be in LA. I don't know. We haven't seen him. Andrew Garfield spotted in the car in Los Angeles, also there. It's all connected. They're all fucking, they're all, all fucking, they're all in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Daredevil, like, this is this is the first proper confirmation that Daredevil is in the movie, as far as I know. Like, I mean, there was this, like, a casting call for a jury, for jury members uh, for the movie, but, like, at the same time, it could have just been like a courtroom scene where Spider-Man's or Peter Parker's just on the stand. And, you know, it didn't necessarily mean... We could have drawn our own conclusions from the end of Far From Home and say, okay, he's going to end up in court or whatever. But this this confirms that, or as good as confirms that, that Daredevil is going to be coming back. And it's the Charlie Cox iteration. And I'm so happy. Like, this is this is kind of all I want. Like... They could, uh, like, Charlie Cox is, like, as Daredevil, one of the best portrayals of any of any fictional character. I'm just, I'm, I'm a massive Daredevil fan, and I think, you know, Joe, you are as well. And oh, yeah. It's, ju- it's, it's an absolute masterpiece. Like, all three seasons are great. I know people have their gripes with two, and I, I absolutely see where they're coming from, but I enjoyed season two all the way. Like, it's, it's amazing. And um, also... It, it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, there was a rumor going around that um, Vincent D'Onofrio was going to be in the Hawkeye show. That's going to be said in in Brooklyn. And um, there's a rumor that he was going to be in Hawkeye in episode five, um, which was very specific. And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who's very active on Twitter, liked the tweet the, one of the tweets that were that had this rumor on it and you know stoked the fire even further so uh, and then funnily enough and this kind of adds to the speculation that tweet was or that retweet was taken down so maybe Kevin Feige said or one of his underlings said hey Vincent don't you know don't don't encourage us we want to keep this secret don't be like Alfred Molina um, just, just, don't, just don't don't do this uh, so yeah, but but in doing so, you know the damage is already done, and I think that it's fair to say with this news that Daredevil is going to be in Spider Man, safe bet, and like the, the location of of Hawkeye, it's Brooklyn. It's based on the 
uh, Matt Fraction, My Life as a Weapon uh, run of Hawkeye comics. That's all set in New York. It's a very safe bet, you know, to say that that would be some uh, Kingpin Daredevil stuff going on. What do you think of all this? What do you think of these um, interpretations of the characters coming back? Are you in support of this, Mr. Hines? I think it's great. Um, the only, I suppose, fear I have is the fact that, you know, season three of Daredevil was so great, but it was mm. fucking dark. Mm. Like, you know, um, I mean, all the seasons really, I they didn't hold back. I mean, Fisk crushes a guy's head with a car door in the first oh. season. In fact, I think it's like one of the first scenes that he's in. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, if they're put into the MCU, how they're kind of integrated. Are they as violent or mm. um even if they continue their stories will they continue them in that way um i think with daredevil it's not necessary i think you can do i think you can do daredevil in the mcu without him having to be you know constantly yeah. i mean in season three all he did was just like bleed i mean he, he got fucked up in season three mm. um but yeah i know i was saying this to you before like i'd love it if they did a fourth season of daredevil on disney plus um in fact, I'd love it if they brought back, you know, um, Punisher and um, De- Deborah Animal's character and and Foggy. Um, I think they're a great addition. I think, you know, a property that I've been wanting for a while um, has been the Midnight Suns. I don't know if you yeah. know about that comic book. Where it's Strange like and Ghost Blade. And, yeah, Blade and Ghost Rider. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, though, like having characters like those where it's like they're not like... I don't know if you consider Daredevil like an A-list hero, but like, you know, he's in, he's in the cracks. Like he's, he's not, you know, constantly saving the world every single time. It's more mob bosses and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, I just want, I just want more, you know, kind of darker kind of characters like that. And I think Netflix did so well. And as you know, the reason why I bring up the Midnight Suns is, you know, they obviously have Moon Knight coming out, which I think, I think if there's any, show that you could that i would hope that would be similar to would be daredevil you know Mm. um so yeah um i'm all for this i can't wait i think he's i I don't know if he'd suit up in no way home but i think he'll definitely be a lawyer um you know so or maybe it might seem you know flipping around yeah maybe i mean like as long as he's in there i don't really mind (laughs) i just i think you know I just think it's fantastic that he's there. I think, honestly, um, you know, and you see him in like Stardust and, you know, other things. Like he's going to be in that that new um, Irish TV show, that gangland show with uh, Aidan Gillen called Kin. We haven't seen any glimpses of that, but he's like, just go, if you're going by Daredevil alone, he's like one of the best actors working today. Like I, I say, I say that like, you know, it's, that's no easy thing. Um, but I think he's absolutely fantastic. Like for what he did with that character, um, crazy. Like um, I just think he like he needs. I, I just think he needs like other roles, you know, like other movie roles. And I think that'll kind of because I think most people like know who he is anyway. People that are kind of um, you know cinephiles or whatever. But I think he just needs the right role because like, he was in that movie King of Thieves with um, Michael Caine. It was about the fucking that that um, bank or it was like a diamond heist or something 
and it was like a mm. really like a really bad movie like well you know there's nothing extraordinary about it like and and ray winston was in it and yeah it was it was just all over the place and like he just needs his he needs like a good kind of lead performance in a in a in a movie or an acclaimed movie and I feel that would like raise his televisual profile. I know he's in Boardwalk Empire. He's really great in that as well. Um, but yeah, it just needs great Irish accent. Yeah, yeah, very uh, good, unbelievable. And that's no easy feat. I mean, me and you, James, were were very critical when it, when it comes to Irish accents. Yeah, yeah very much. I so. mean, we had possibly the greatest crime against the country with that Wild Mountain Pine, <laughs> and this year just. <sighs> just why um i mean but yeah like, as you were saying the, the Charlie, second the Charlie second Cox is, the second biggest crime of that movie was they dragged poor john ham into it i know they probably paid him a lot but like you know it's like one of my favorite actors and they had to bring him into one of the worst movies of, of the last of last year but he got lucky though he was able to use his accent i mean they even had jimmy jordan fuck up his yeah um, on purpose i believe as well so huh. Um, I don't know what they were fucking smoking when they were making that movie. I don't, I don't. Um, it kind of gives me confidence though, because like you know, we know we can do better than that. So it's like, and that got made. <laughs> so it's like that's that, yeah. that's kind of the, the the only kind of great like good great thing you could you could derive from those movies. It's like you know, you know, if that can happen, anything anything can get made. Um, but yeah, no. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's one. like, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, like, it's the um, the balls you have to have to go into another country and say, ah, sure, I'll just pick the accent. Mm. You know, it's like, imagine if we went to fucking, I don't know, Belgium, and we're just like, do whatever French accent you want. Mm. We don't care. It's like, you can't do that, <laughs> you know? But anyways, look at, mm. um, going off topic here, um, with Charlie Cox's acting ability, I mean, he's... He's incredible. And I think people sometimes forget how hard it is to lead a show, not just be like a hero and like, you know, a good hero, but like to lead an entire television show is, is quite difficult to do. And he did it brilliantly for three seasons. Um, so I, I hope he continues the character um, moving forward in the MCU. Best Irish accents by non-Irish actors or actresses. What comes to mind? Oh, there was that girl who um, was in uh, Normal People. What's her name? Oh, Daisy Edgar Jones. I think I have that one. She was I, excellent. I didn't see that show. Yeah, yeah, I remember the name. Um, yeah, that was that was top notch. Honestly, she could have tricked me. Like I, I wouldn't have known. And it was a, it was a fucking like West of Ireland accent as well. It was, mm. it was great. Um, who else did another good one? There, there aren't that many. Um, <laughs> Um, I have I have a pick. Um, uh, Rebecca Ferguson in Doctor Sleep as Rose the Hat, fucking phenomenal Irish accent. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I thought it was a really yeah. good one. Um, I guess like, well, okay, Daniel Day Lewis. I know he's kind of Irish, but he's he has a British accent or an English accent, I should say. Um, I know my left foot. He doesn't really, you know, doesn't speak. But in the name of the Father. You know, Northern Irish accent, really good. Um, yeah. Um, who else? Not Tom Cruise in Far and Away. Um, <laughs> one of the worst. I love Tom Cruise, yeah. but like, just no. Um, 
what else? I can't really think of any. Off the top of my head, I can't. Um, hmm. Oh, fucking. That's not a good sign. <laughs> Angelica Houston in Mrs. or Agnes Brown. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, you know, the crazy thing about Angelica Houston, she was actually, she grew up just down the road from me. Oh, really? Um, yeah, her father, uh, John Hughes, who mm. he directed like the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. They own a house just not too far away from where I live. Oh. Um, so I suppose that would probably explain. Were they from Athenry Ath- or something like that? Or something like, was yeah, they, yeah, they owned, yeah, I mean, they owned, I don't know about their lineage. I know John Hughes, he left America because. Mm. John um, Houston. That time, mean, like, John Houston, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. there was like that whole uh, communism fear. And so a lot of like Hollywood people actually got like fucking outed from America. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin um, and uh, yeah, Hollywood Ten, all those guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, it, look, I'm, 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 and to be fair, it's not an easy accent to do. Oh, no. like, and for such a small island, there's so many different, you know, forms of the accent as well. You know, yeah. you think Donegal is a different fucking country. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's it's a hard it's a hard one for sure. Um, I'd love to do an episode about um, Irish um, movies. Uh, well, uh, films set in Ireland, Irish accents, all that sort of stuff. I think I think we could have a good discussion about because um, there's there's a lot there's a fair bit. Like I mean, even Michael Collins, um, there's some dodgy accents. Like although I will say, I think um, from my I haven't seen Michael Collins in all, but I think. Alan Rickman as Eamon de Valera, I think that's actually great casting because uh, yeah. he kind of looks like him, you know? He kind of has... I think that's actually fucking excellent casting. The rest of the movie is very meh for me from what I can remember. I haven't seen it, but I think that was like fantastic casting. Um, Dexon was good as far as I can re- re- you know, remember. Um, Alan Rickman's just fucking great everything, like German, <laughs> you know... Um, Man, fucking miss him. Judy Roberts. Yeah, Judy Roberts. Was in that as well. Wasn't she? She, yeah, was. She, 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 she was. She didn't do a good job. <laughs> was she Countess Markovich? Was she Countess Markovich in that movie? Or am I wrong? No, she was Kitty Kierman. Oh, Kitty Kierman. Yeah, she sorry. Was, I, I really yeah. haven't seen that in ages. So, I, yeah. Um, Liam Neeson, it was like a Cork accent, wasn't it? Michael Collins is from Cork, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 He, his accent was all right. I didn't, because he's. You know, yeah. the north, like, yeah. I mean, maybe I don't know if there's any like, there's probably recordings of Michael Collins that he probably, um, ha- you know, took a listen to. Um, but like, it wasn't terrible, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's very different from his normal accent, um, in fairness. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, well, well yeah, we should definitely do an, an episode about American interpretations of. Irishness, it would be it would be, be a good one. It'd be a good one. I'll yeah. add that to the ever-growing list of epi- of special episodes based on on themes. Ah, we'll, we'll no, we'll get we'll get to them. We'll get to them. more Marvel shit. Okay, All right. So the Venom sequel, uh, Venom: Let There Be Carnage, got a new trailer, and it was pretty fucking good. I thought anyway. Um, although I did, I I, I like the first one that we got. Not the first movie, the first trailer we got for the sequel. Um, and do you want to have faith in this movie? I think it's going to be, not that it's a tough thing to do. Um, 
you know, I feel like this is going to be a vast improvement over the first one. Um, in much the same way, and maybe not to the extent of the Suicide Squad, you know, which we know, you know, which we love. Um, but I think it, it's it's going to be another case of of bad bad first movie and then a, a great well a good or great sequel or a much improved sequel. Um, yes, we got to see kind of more uh, of Carnage. Carnage was very much um, only kind of teased at uh, in the first trailer. It's the first trailer looked at the relationship between uh, the Venom symbiote and Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy. Um, you know, having breakfast and having marital issues, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, the only toxic relationship I would support in a movie, to be honest, it's a very, it's a very, it's, it's not, it's not healthy at all in, in the slightest. But, uh, what did you think of this trailer, Joe? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, look, there wasn't a whole lot more that it gave us in the first trailer. Um, more I suppose the one thing, more carnage I suppose the one thing that I'm like looking forward to in this movie is the relationship between um, Eddie Brock and Venom and how that differs from carnage you know obviously it's like we are Venom that's the whole thing um, where you have these two different entities kind of working together and what I like about carnage is um, you know obviously carnage and uh, Woody Harrelson's uh, character they're so similar and they're like such a good bond and connection that they don't, they don't say we are, you know, it's just, I am carnage. Mm. I think that's kind of an interesting, an interesting little thing. And I just think the fucking animation for carnage is just spot on. Incredible. The shakiness, the, yeah. it just looks great. Um, even the transformation that you saw in the trailer oh, yeah. where like the tongue kind of whips out and stuff. It's fucking, mm. it's savage. Um, yeah. A lot of tongue in this movie. I don't <laughs> a lot know, like, of tongue. Yeah. First movie. The first movie was obsessed with it. I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, Carnage, Carnage, Carnage very, full on shifts as security guard. Like, I don't, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Like, they're very tongy characters. And for all these Venom symbiotes, every yeah. Venom offshoot, everyone from uh, Carnage to Shriek to Riot, um, Toxin, Anti-Venom. I'm trying to think of all the fucking Venom symbiotes. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean... Um, you know, like the like the very existence of these movies, like they do kind of they like their existence bothers me, but like I do feel like this will be a fun a, a fun movie. It's it's just like it's so hard for me to get behind the idea of like of Venom without Spider Man. You know, yeah. and we have it's such a it's such a weird thing. Like I know people enjoy these regardless, but like whenever I look at Venom, it's actually a great design for Venom, a great big fucking hulking version of Venom that you see in the comics. Like all the, you know, in the, you know, I have issues with like Todd McFarlane and who he is, but I think like he's a really good artist, I feel. Uh, way better than like Rob, Rob Liefeld, um, who's just a fucking shit person by all accounts and <laughs> equally shit artist. But um, yeah, but like those, those Venom covers and all the, you know, the one with Venom on Spider-Man and like he's like you know, you know he's licking his skull and shit. Like that's a great design for Venom, uh, and this is like you know the live action interpretation of this. Um, but like whenever I look at it, it's like a jigsaw with like one missing piece, and like the one missing piece is the 
the great big white spider symbol on venom like it's um it, like it's it's like a perfect design otherwise like you put that on there and it like it just it's like this big glaring omission and i know they have like the white veins or something but i don't know they're way too subtle for me like they I don't know. It really, really bothers me, to be honest. Like it, it, and it would stop me kind of getting. I know it's a small things design of the character, but it's genuinely like a perfect design. Apart from that, it's really missing that because the Venom, Venom is one of the most iconic looking, most easily recognizable comic book characters. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just a, a big gripe with, with me. But Carnage looks fantastic. Carnage doesn't have that issue because like he doesn't, you know, they can just kind of you know, adapt Carnage the way he looks. It's an incredible design. The CGR looks fantastic in this, I have to say. And that um that transfer yeah. that transformation that we see of uh Woody Harrelson when he's like it's different because like uh from what I gather from the trailer, uh Cletus Cassidy bites Eddie and he like he drinks his blood, which there, there has to be like some symbiote DNA in Eddie's blood. There must be. So like he's he's like consuming that so it's coming from within um cletus cassidy like the transformation it's it's like it's from within his body whereas with venom and eddie it's like on the outside of his body it's like covering him it's like kind of uh, enveloping eddie um which i kind of liked is that is that the sense or or am i wrong in saying that is that the the sense you got that's I mean, that's the whole thing with Carnage. It's like yeah. he, he's not, it's like such a good unity between him and Cletus Cassidy mm. that it's just, you know, they are Carnage. It's not yeah. the case of we are, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, when Venom kind of transforms, it's just that black goo kind of just covering yeah. up Eddie as opposed to kind of almost kind of ripping apart like yeah. um, Harrelson in, in the transformation yeah. way. Like you see his head and everything just kind of break. Yeah. Um, as I said, or as you were saying, like the anime, the CGI in this film just looks fucking great. Like, yeah. um, so I was, I was kind of worried that they were going to make Carnage kind of all gooey like Venom, but mm-hmm. he's he's a lot more kind of shaky and volatile and feels more solid. That's really exciting. Feels more solid. Feels as more well. solid. Yeah, more yeah. tangible than what Venom is. And I think the CGI from the visual effects, and obviously they've had so much time. To work on this movie with given the pandemic i mean that's one of the good things about the pandemic and movies it's like the vfx artists are like you know i don't i don't know if people like even take it i mean i think about it like quite a lot especially in the last year or so like um vfx artists are treated fucking quite badly i think in the industry Terribly. as a whole yeah um i know i know you think about it a lot as well joe it's like um they're just given these deadlines and it's like you know, it, it, it's all about kind of principal photography and like, it's like the studio executives think, oh, fucking VFX artists will give them fucking four months or whatever, or three months. They can do it, no problem. And it's like, it's so much harder than that. It's like, it it drives me crazy whenever someone like complains about like too much, like not too much CGI, but just like CGI in a movie, in the co- like the concept of CGI in a movie and they're complaining about it. It's like, I mean, it help it, it it helps the experience so much. There's so there's things that could not have been conceived decades ago without CGI, and then there's people nowadays that just complain about you know CGI just because it costs a shit ton and it takes a while, 
and that just drives me fucking mental like um it's it, it's an art form it's genuinely like a, a like a totally new art form like um but yeah no they've had time to work on it and it shows and um i think i think um if they're if you know filmmakers and studio executives were to take anything out of this pandemic it's like you know give them time give them more notice if possible like um but yeah no i mean look it's impressive and andy circus like um breathe his uh his feature debut i thought that was a really good movie honestly i thought it was a really kind of nice movie with um claire foy and and andrew garfield and uh really nice really nice story and i feel like he's gonna i feel like he's gonna do venom justice here um but yeah we'll wait and see i mean it's look i, I bet the house that was gonna be better than the first movie the first movie is not not good at all there's i mean there's good things in there but like it's it's all over the place it's all yeah. a 90s movie that came out in 2018 exactly. yeah um but yeah um that's that's my bag i think uh have you got anything else uh mr Hines? Oh, yeah, I got one more thing, um, and it's about the Coen brothers. Okay. So recently, Kershaw Burwell, who he's the composer, I think he's composed music for every Coen brothers film. I think everyone. Um, but he was he was on some podcasts, I think it was the Score podcast, and he said he was talking about the Coen brothers and how they've kind of taken a break. Obviously, Joel Coen, he's gone on to do um, The Tragedy of Macbeth for Apple, um, and day 24 with um, Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, uh, which you can't wait for. I think it's going to be brilliant. Um, but he, when talking about Ethan, um, he said, quote, Ethan seems to be very happy doing what he's doing. I'm not sure what Joel will do after Macbeth. Um, he then added, he expects the movie to be released sometime this year after filming was delayed due to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and then he goes on to say, I hope maybe they get back to do some of those because I've read some and they're great when talking about, you know, some of their unproduced scripts. Um, so apparently Ethan, he's just like, he's just writing plays and he's kind of done with movies. Um, and people were kind of under the assumption that they were, the brothers were kind of taking a break from making films and then they would, you know, return to do some, but it seems like it's more, um, it's kind of like they're like a, bra- a band breaking <laughs> breaking up um which look i mean i think um you know not too long ago we were talking about tarantino and how you know he's after his 10th film he's done like he just knows that he doesn't want to make movies anymore i actually think this is a good thing like there's nothing worse than somebody doing something for the sake of doing it just to get a paycheck or whatever um, if your heart isn't in a movie, you shouldn't be making it. Um, and I think that it's good that, you know, Ethan Cohen is able to say, you know, actually I'm done with this medium. Um, let's face it. I mean, he's, he's added enough to cinema. I mean, yeah. he's, yeah, he's been, I mean, he's made some of my favorite films ever. I mean, um, I love movies like Barton Fink and Blood Simple and, um, Inside Lewin Davis is probably one of my favorite movies ever. Um, uh, no Country for All Men, uh, just phenomenal. Um, the Big Lebowski. I mean, you could literally go on for so so long about all the work that they've done. Um, and you know, if if the Coen Brothers are done, I think they've had a great run, and I'm excited to see what they do 
you know, let's face it, they're kind of going on to do solo albums now. If you yeah. wanted to make a comparison, and it's Simon and Garfunkel. You know, I'm excited to see what they do. It's Simon and Garfunkel. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, like they're probably like they get on fine. Like, I mean, you can't break up your brother, you know, as much as some people would like to. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate. But like, I don't think it's. I think it's just like, you know, a hiatus, like uh, a long-term hiatus, I think is what it's going to be. Um, but as you said, it's, uh, no, it, it is unfortunate. Like, um, but at the same time, you know, these guys are, these guys are almost 70, right? Aren't they? The, the Coen brothers, they're like mid sixties or. I think, I think Ethan is 63. Okay. I think that's right. That's somewhere. So, I mean, yeah. Um, they're not super old, but at the same time, it's like, you know, making a movie is a huge undertaking that takes like three, two or three years. And it's just, you know, you hear stories of like productions and, and how you could be shooting for like 120 days. And, yeah. you know, you have to juggle a million different things while keeping your inspiration. That's a tough thing for anyone to do. Obviously, they've had so much experience. But I think when someone says like, actually, you know what, I'm done, I can kind of understand why. Um you know, I would hate if the Coen brothers made another film and it turned out to be just, you know, meh, you know, leave it as it is. Um, and if Joel wants to continue doing movies, I'm, I'm very excited for um, his Macbeth. But, um, you know, if that turns out to be great, like I'd love to see more work that he does um, and whatever plays uh, Ethan decides to write, I'd, I'd love to watch them. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I hate to say it's a positive thing, but... At the same time, I don't think it's a negative thing that they know when to stop. If you get me, yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, you 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 said it yourself, like just just a few months ago. Like, I mean, you can't half arse a movie. Like, it's you can't be half hearted about this medium. It's, um, I mean, I mean, like even if the Coen Brothers half arsed a movie, I, I feel like it'd be better than a lot of things, um, yeah. because that's how good they are. But. You know, at the same time, if your heart's not in it, you know, what's the fucking point? Um, I think he'll come back. But guys like these can't, um, like, they can't detach themselves for that long. I think when you, I don't know, it's just this feeling I have it. And um, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think like guys like those, like, can live without movies. Like, and I don't think if they're making movies, I don't think they can live without making them, you know, um, for a while. But look, um, I'm just going to, you know, got to look at the positives on this and, you know, just um, if it's the end, it's the end. But like, hopefully it's just a break. And I think it's just like a, a long, a long-term hiatus. And um, yeah. Um, favorite Coen Brothers movie, Joe? Could you say? Oh, I mean, definitely. I think Inside Lewin Davis is the movie that I've seen yeah. the most, and the movie that just fucking knocks me on my ass every time I watch it. Yeah. Um, I fucking adore that film, and it confuses me when people say that's one of their worst movies. I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, I'm like, have you seen Hail Caesar? <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I suppose that would be the first, and then big the, the big Lebowski, obviously, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it, Raising Arizona. I think it's just a fucking right. weird movie, yeah. uh, but a lot of fun. And No Country for Old Men as well, but, uh, you know, that's um, a very subversive film that I 
fucking enjoy watching every time. Yeah. Um, what about yourself? Uh, I mean, I um, I recall watching the first time I ever watched No Country for Old Men. One of the great kind of um, one of the great kind of viewing experiences. Um, not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, I think it was like seven or eight or something like that. Came out two thousand seven. Sure as I know. I saw. I didn't see it in the cinema. Unfortunately, I was I was a bit young for that. But uh, uh, I saw it at home. And it was just, yeah, it was a movie that kind of blew my mind. It was like, it was such a gorgeous movie and such a subversive tale. Um, crazy, crazy good, like Javier Bardem and Josh Brolin. Um, fucking Sugar, one of the great movie villains ever. Uh, don't think that's too controversial to say. Uh, one of the scariest looking fucking haircuts I've ever seen in my life. Uh, like Willy Wonka, if he was even more of a psychopath. Um, but yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, uh, yeah, no country for men. Fargo is another, like, you know, these are all, I feel like I'm going through a greatest hits album here, but Fargo, um, I, I, I do quite enjoy, I don't think it's their best, like it's far from their best movie, but I think burn after reading is a fun movie as well. I think that's, that's quite Pretty a fun, fun little caper. Yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt is one of the great Brad Pitt performances. <laughs> Uh, I think he's fu- and Frances McDormand's fucking great in that movie. She's so good. George Clooney's a fucking dog in that. He's he's great as this this slime ball. Um, J.K. Simmons, then John Malkovich. John Malkovich is fu- yeah. <laughs> and how he pronounces memoirs. It's like memoir or some <laughs> some and and Tilda Swinton. Yeah, man, it's such a fucking stack uh, stack cast. Um, Richard Jenkins. Um, who else? That's kind of it, is it? Yeah fucking ah oh, it's it's a great movie it's not their best um but i i love watching it nonetheless like i think it's great um inside lowen davis as well probably inside lowen davis probably top five i haven't seen it since probably came out um and i got the blu-ray as well there's, there's no excuse that's a great movie um i don't think there's any i don't think there's any movie that they've made that i don't like i think they're all they'd all be like four stars plus i think um there's not a dud in in there and i mean even um you know even like spielberg has you know spielberg has a great hit rate but like um yeah Coen brothers are so consistent my god um what do you think of um ballad of buster scruggs i haven't seen that one yet but what what did you think of it i liked it i mean they they've made a lot of movies that are just very kind of quirky like a movie I'd like in that too. Well, obviously it's not a Western, but like even Intolerable Cruelty, where it's just such a kind of strange kind of off-base relationship, but there's still so much kind of heart to it. Mm. Um, I like The Battle of Buster Scruggs. I thought I thought it was yeah. enjoyable. Um, I, I like it when they do Westerns. I think True Grit is another oh, great man. Western that they about, did, a remake. I forgot about True Grit. Man, I for, yeah, I just totally forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, that that was amazing. That one, like, uh, I'm not a big fan of the original True Grit. To be honest, I, I am. Um, see, me and John Wayne. I just, I'm not as drawn to John Wayne as other people are. Um, my dad was like, you know, grew up watching John Wayne movies, and was like, I'm just, I don't see. I'm sure he was a nice man, but like, I do, I just don't believe this guy is a haggard old fucking eye patch wearing bounty hunter guy, you know, or. He's just too kind of well spoken and too much of a fucking I don't know fucking um 
I don't know, a himbo, I guess, would be the modern term. He's a bit of a fucking idiot. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I just don't, I'm not a big John Wayne fan, honestly, unfortunately. And it's probably a bit sacrosanct to say that, but uh, yeah, I'm not, not, not a fan. One, one, one of my controversial takes, uh, that and I hate the fucking Italian job from 1969. Fucking hate that movie. Uh, it's like one it's like one of the um, most disappointing things I've ever seen because I got the Blu-ray uh, years ago watched it with my dad he hadn't I don't think he had seen it either so we put it on one of the worst viewing experiences I've ever had like in any movie it's just so shit and like the cat I'm going on a rant now sorry the cast is fucking he's great like you have Michael Caine Benny Hill uh, Noel Coward um you know, a great cast, and then everything else is so underwhelming. Even the most iconic parts of the movie that everyone recognizes, uh, all the, the minis going through the tunnel and you know, going through uh, fucking Rome, and then the cliffhanger at the end doesn't work at all. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I haven't, I just, I just detest it. It's, um, um it's gross. I, I use this term a lot, but it's grossly patriotic, like, yeah. That's Briggs, the, that's it's Briggs at the movie. movie. It's Briggs at the movie. Oh, you, yeah. You you know fucking Tories love that movie. Yeah. Like yeah. they just get they have like fucking wet dreams about it and shit. Like it's yeah. like I mean like look I actually think it's a good heist film, but um, yeah I don't think it's Michael Caine's best. Um, yeah. In I didn't even mind the Mark Wahlberg one. I thought the Mark Wahlberg Italian job was was all right. I mean, yeah, I saw it years ago and I thought it was like a totally fine, serviceable kind of crime. Uh, caper thing Edward Norton Jason Statham Shirley Theron Donald Sutherland Mark Wahlberg I mean yeah like I, I'd be like I see it my expectations were quite high going into the original one and then like with that it's like uh, I don't know it's like kind of um, discount Ocean's Eleven in a way uh, with cars and then you're going into yeah. it no expectations and like you're not offended by its existence you know, it's just what it is. You know what it is going in, and you're not really surprised coming out of it. So, yeah. But anyway, Italian job. How did I get into that? But anyway, I've I've talked. I think one. I think one of the first episodes you ever did, I just went on a big like half hour rant about how fucking shit it was. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's all the news, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, that's all the news my end, anyways. That's all the news. So we'll head on to the reviews, and you know, I I won't I won't put it off any longer. We're just going to jump straight into the Suicide Squad, which is just an absolute hell of a time. Uh, Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of naughty cons at Bell Rev Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Here's a clip from the Suicide Squad. 0227 is wide open. Colonel dispatched a detachable kid. TDK, two o'clock! TDK is the detachable kid? Um, so, what do you think of James Gunn's uh, interpretation of the Suicide Squad, Mr. Hines? 
So first of all, the 2016 movie, um, I despise. I think it's I, I, I even it's shameful to even call it a movie. It's like a music video that goes on for two hours. Yeah. Um, with some DC characters. The one thing that movie did do well, though, is it took the time to go into the characters. And that's what, like, that's what's interesting about the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Like El Diablo, Deadshot, you know, Harley Quinn. That's what I thought they did well. Um, with this movie, they do that again, times 10. Um, you know, I, you kind of talk about, like, obviously James Gunn coming on to do this and replacing David Ayer, or not even replacing David Ayer, but just kind of taking the reins of, of the Suicide Squad. Um, these characters just remind me of, like, the Guardians and even Super, um, the specials, you know, the different movies that he's done, where it's just all these just fucking weirdos and psychopaths, yeah, yeah. you know, that are just kind of so strange. But um, this movie does what the 2016 version did well which was develop these characters and and you know give really kind of at times heartbreaking stories i mean there's people like polka dot man who's just such a fucking strange character but like and i and i enjoyed what um james good said about you know characters like polka dot man like polka dot man wasn't made as a joke he was made as like an actual like threat yeah but silver age it's Batman so villain. ridiculous yeah Exactly. That's why he didn't put people like, you know, the condiment king in the Suicide Squad, because he was made as a joke. Um, There's reasons why there's characters like Javelin. I mean, Javelin is fucking useless. (laughs) And that's what makes it so funny. Um, Just to break down like some of the some of the standouts for me um, Daniela Melchior, who who's plays Ratcatcher 2. She's the fucking heart of the movie. Um, she's so endearing Um, honestly such a great breakout performance this is obviously I mean this is going to do so well for her um, and her career Um, and it's great and she deserves every bit of it I actually think Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg in this movie was a huge improvement Um, he was just I don't know in in the Suicide Squad he was always kind of you know just kind of a bitch (laughs) not a bitch in like a cowardly way but just like yeah. You know, he's always up everybody's ass. And I know he, you know, obviously his girlfriend is like possessed or whatever. But um, in this movie, he like, he seemed like the kind of the the goody two shoes kind of, you know, Navy SEAL kind of commander who just, you know, the way how like his relationship with Savant and Bloodsport, you can tell like there's a lot of honor there. Um, And then speaking of Bloodsport, man, Idris Elba, he's the so fucking good. best. I mean, even when he's in shit movies, he's still fucking savage. Mm. Um. And then that also leads me on to, I suppose, the design of the movie um, and the way how everything looks. Um, there's so much care and craft that's gone into this film. Everything looks amazing. You know, in the trailers, I was like, oh, King Shark, he's probably just going to be like uh, just a shit kind of CGI character. But no, I mean, there were shots where it's like up close at King Shark and you, you're like, that's the skin looks like what you think a shark skin would look like. It looked yeah. photorealistic. Mm-hmm. Um Again, I'm kind of I'm kind of bouncing around here, but you know, one of the weakest parts of the 2016 Suicide Squad was the plot. I mean, it, a terrible antagonist. Made no um, sense. Made no sense at all. Con- it made no sense. Yeah, yeah. And it, this is what this movie does well: is that you know, obviously, there's the Operation Starfish or whatever they call it, <laughs> but it's not like the main focus of the movie. Mm. Like, it's not like oh, I, I really wonder what the starfish is. Like, you're just on this journey with these characters and you're just having a blast. But when they show you what it is, and we were talking about this, James, 
there's a scene where let's just say use the term experiments Mm -hmm. and it's so shocking but also savage and you're like i really didn't expect this to go here and i remember reading like justice league comics where starro kind of shows up Mm -hmm. and how you know kind of batman has to have like contingencies to take care of the justice league when they get possessed Mm -hmm. In that, it was just like kind of comical where like a starfish attaches to your face. In this, it's full on alien. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like face hugger. It's just, it's, it, it's weird to say it's so fucking fantastic, but it really is. I mean, it just, it blew me away. Um, there's a scene in this movie. And again, this is completely non-spoiler. Obviously, you, you know, you know, Starro's in, in, in the movie. Um but there's a scene where obviously there's a load of possessed people. And I just thought like, this is what I've been fucking waiting for, mm. for years. Like I've wanted to see Starro just, again, I don't want to say too much, but um, it just, this movie, the entire duration, there's never a moment in this movie where I'm like, okay, I can kind of, you know, turn my brain off and just like sit back. Then, you know, it's kind of slowing down. The movie has a consistent pace and tone throughout. It never changes there's a section in this film where it goes off for about 15 minutes with Harry Quinn, which is a fucking ballsy thing to do. And it was completely enjoyable. It didn't derail the movie whatsoever. Um, Now to finish up on just my thoughts on the film, the only things I didn't like, um, there is something that kind of happens to Amanda Waller in this movie that I was like, that's, I don't know if that's completely, I don't know if I can really see that. Um, I suppose I, I felt like there would have been more severe repercussions. Um, that was one issue I had. Um, I think sometimes, like, while I loved the gore in the movie, I think that this movie is 100% R-rated. Please don't take your children to see this film. Yeah, <laughs> it will scare do them. Don't do um, <laughs> this, is not, this is not the Avengers, okay? Um, I think parents will know that anyways, just based off the title. But yeah, um, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think... And and this isn't a criticism. I'm just I'm just curious. I feel like James Gunn he got a little bit to like too like you know kind of bloodthirsty. I mean there are some really, really even I was like whoa hang on here now a second like yeah. and um, I haven't mentioned him yet, but John Cena in this movie is a fucking psychopath. There's a scene I think my favorite scene in the entire movie is the scene with him and Idris Elba going through let's just say a camp. It is. <laughs> glorious it is fucking wonderful but it, it's a prime example of how violent this movie is mm-hmm. um and i know for a lot of people that'll be very off-putting um i read somewhere where somebody was saying that there was a lot of walkouts um people walking out of seeing this movie and i think it is just a matter of taste i think you know there's people who are going to just fucking enjoy this movie and love the characters so much mm-hmm. and then there's going to be people who just it's just not their thing I think for anybody listening out there, um, if I could give a review of this movie, you know, if you're into comic books and you're an adult and you're not too shy of gore, I think you'll really dig this movie. But if violence, very explicit violence is, you know, it kind of upsets you, that might be an issue um, because this movie doesn't pull any punches whatsoever. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know I've been talking for way too long. Um, oh, sorry, James. But, a, um, <laughs> a very good review. It's a very good review. Very coherent. I just, uh, yeah. I just fucking, I love this movie so much. And I think um, it's, you know, it upset me that there was a shit Suicide Squad movie. And now 
I'm just happy that there's a good one mm. with just fucking incredible characters. And yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I won't, I'll try not to uh, tread on what you just said. Like, I mean, I absolutely, I echo, I think 19, uh, well, pretty much everything you said. I mean, like just to, just to comment on uh, what you said about the uh, gun being a bit bloodthirsty like especially at the end there are so there are some surprises at the end some surprise um i mean there's a lot of death in this movie so i won't i won't be spoiling anything by saying that there's deaths at the end i there i there's characters that perish and i think it um it wasn't needed to be honest i think i think he'd proved his point that being part of this team was a was a death sentence uh, with yeah. that opening scene, I don't think that there was any need to um, kill two characters in, in particular um, at the end. Um, kind of like the the more I think about it, it kind of annoys me a bit. But like I, at the same time, I don't want to put that against the movie because I feel like because James Gunn's going to continue to work. Uh, DC are pretty much saying that he's going to be in the next Suicide Squad movie. He's doing Peacemaker. I feel like there's going to be something coming up in either Peacemaker, the next Suicide Squad movie, where one of those is corrected, but then there's one very definitive um, character death. I just don't feel like it was needed at all. Really, like it really wasn't. Like there, like the like this character survives so much, and then um, they're just you know at the end, you know, at the last minute, they're just fucking. Acts. I don't think it was needed, really. Uh, I I don't even think yeah. it's me. I don't even think it's, it's me being too sentimental about the character. Um, but it just it really it really wasn't needed. Um, the the point was already proven. I was I was on board anyway. But at the same time, having said that, I know I'm 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 dwelling on it a lot. Um, I think yeah, I think like most people are probably going to going to have seen this by now, and you know they probably know what I'm talking about. But I won't spoil it anyway. But I just don't feel like it was needed, honestly. And uh, yeah, I was slightly pissed off, but I don't want to put that against the movie because he was just because in the long term it's going to be fine, and I probably won't worry about it. <laughs> but like, yeah, um, yeah, um, I th- yeah, I thought um, just I mean in contrast with the last movie, I think. Uh, I, I watched the the extended cut of, of Suicide Squad 2016, and it's worse than I remember it being, and it was pretty bad. Um, you know, um, the ex- like, I mean, it's edited by the extended edition is just edited by some trailer house, as far as I can as I can tell. Like the, there was an extra scene with the Joker and Harley, and it's just like kind of put in there in the middle of the movie, and like, and it, I think they just should have left it out because like it's a scene with joker and harley and like jared leto's like just doing he's improvising as far as i can tell um it makes no sense at all um oh god i could uh, you know we could talk for fucking ages about the first suicide squad but like you know this one makes sense the storyline this makes sense and it, it's meticulously planned um i thought it's a great looking movie i have to say really varied color palette uh, that's aesthetically pleasing, and I've heard some complaints about the the cinematography at the end. I think it's I think it's good. Like I think some people are saying it's a bit washed, kind of a bit kind of whitewashed. 
I think I think it works well, like given the environment. Um, to be honest, there's a lot of rubble. I a mean, lot of rubble and a lot of water. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think it works well. Like, yeah. Um, but like, even I think this pay, it pays respect to like all like the few good things that were in the first movie. And there were like when the first movie got things right, they got things right. I think casting, um, you know. I think casting for the most part in the first movie was pretty spot on with the exception of uh, obviously Jared Leto signed this movie uh, as Joker. I think that was terrible casting. And I was watching a video on YouTube from, uh, do you know Cosmonaut Picture Show? Do you know that? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was going through the suicides, the first Suicide Squad movie. And he got me thinking about something um, that I hadn't really thought about, which is Will Smith's Deadshot is actually... Um, I think it's miscast. I think that's, I never really thought about it. I was actually okay with Will Smith, but you go to any uh, version of Deadshot in the comics or even TV shows, or animated TV shows, like, and even the animated movies, like Assault on Arkham or um, Hell to Pay or anything, you know, like he's a leader. Yeah. But he's also a piece of shit. Like, and I don't really get that from Deadshot. Like he's immoral. He's doing, he's committing crimes, but he's not like, I never got the sense he was a bad person, to be honest. Like a really like shitty person. And like w- when you're casting Will Smith, one of the most charismatic, um, not just actors but people um, <laughs> in the world, it's like. Um, it, and I think that people kind of um, put this on Tom Hanks a lot. It's like he's too charismatic; he can't play a villain. But I feel or an antihero. But like you look at something like uh, Road the the Road to Perdition, and like. Tom Hanks is playing a pretty immoral, dark character, and he does that really, really convincingly. I, and I haven't seen Will Smith do that, honestly. Uh, he's played hitmen, uh, kind of immoral anti-heroes, and like, you know, Gemini Man, which is quite bad also. Uh, I mean, like, anytime he plays a morally dubious person, the movie is shit. And I don't think that's a coincidence um, that I can think of, anyway. Um, I do think he's miscast. It's not like, I, I don't really mind the fact... Like it's not like a race swap thing at all, to be honest. Because like, um, you know, because like, you know, obviously Idris Elba was going to play Deadshot before, you know, uh, they kind of reworked it into, you know, they're kind of what what happened with Bloodsport is, from what I can tell, they were looking for a character for Idris Elba to play that was like Deadshot but wasn't Deadshot because they wanted to make room for him. So they're going, they were telling the press basically he was playing Vigilante, and then they found. Bloodsport, who was this Superman villain from ages ago who shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet, and they're like, okay, we'll work with this. Um, but like, I, I just think he's miscast, honestly. I feel like, yeah, I just, yeah, just that's just dead shot. He's not in this movie, it's a different problem. Um, but I should, yeah, I should focus on this one. Um, but man, you know, even with that gripe I was talking about uh, just a few minutes ago with the, the character deaths and the bloodthirstiness. I I I love this movie. I think it's I think it's properly like flawless. Uh, apart from that, there isn't too much like licensed music, and when there is, it's like it's used well. And I was afraid going in that might be a problem because based on Gunn's filmography, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, it's uh, you know the modern Gun movies, it's like those are chock a block full of. Of, of licensed music and it's 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 done to good effect based on star lord and, and his character and what's going on in the scene but i was just worried that he'd carry that into the suicide squad 
where it's not re- like music isn't as big a thing. But thankfully, it wasn't. I mean, a lot of it's just like original music just made for the movie. There's um, that song Rain, which I thought was excellent. Um, and then there's a few licensed songs during some fight scenes. and um, But like nothing major. Honestly, it was really refreshing to see. Um, yeah, uh, Rick Flag as well. Man, what a what a glow up. What a glow. I mean, I didn't mind Rick Flag in the other in the other movie, but he had so much um character shit to kind of bear on his shoulders, all the enchantress love interest stuff, uh providing exposition. Um, you know, it was it was a lot. Uh, but I think Joel Kinman is a really great actor. I think he's underrated. I think he's one of the most underrated kind of leading men um working in, in Hollywood. Um, you got the killing or you know even the informer which came out a few years ago i thought it was pretty pretty entertaining kind of um you know thriller um I, he's really really good in this um i love his t-shirt as well with the rabbit on it i think it's cool oh yeah <laughs> yeah but um yeah and harley quinn is great i mean like people people are saying like she's regressed from what she was like in birds of prey and i feel i, I don't think that's necessarily fair i think she's um consistent with what was before um you know um i th- i think that's i think it's a great a great interpretation of, of harley quinn i know that kathy ann was you know it, it was it was it was um under the influence of a woman filmmaker last time it's james gunn now but i think like james gunn absolutely understands what harley quinn is and who she is um but yeah i mean there's not much else I can say that you haven't said, Joe. I, I absolutely agree with what you said. Uh, people need to check this out, and I, I think it's going to do well, you know, even with the circumstances of the, of the pandemic. And, um, yeah, man, such a fuck. What an upgrade. What an absolute upgrade. And it, and um, just, you know, it got, it just, it, it got me thinking, like, during the week um, of, like, you know, the bad movies that have great sequels. And, like, it's very hard to to think of any because i was looking for a few and like i could only find like um one or two and i found the perfect evolution of a movie series right i found i found the one the one that absolutely works the one that gets uh that upgrades significantly from the next and that's the wolverine series of movies x-men origins wolverine i was gonna say that where are you where are you okay shit sorry yeah okay. Fuck okay. it's okay well do you know do you, you want joe? For me. i'm sorry joe but it's the it's the only you see it's the only real answer that's the thing like i mean we can we can list off any other movies like but i think it's the it's the it's the best answer because uh, i mean we'll, we'll talk about this like but it's x-men origins wolverine which is a terrible movie it's so bad it's so so bad and then you have the wolverine and they have the Wolverine, which is quite a good movie, quite an enjoyable movie up until the last twenty minutes. All the sim- Silver Samurai stuff, like the the big Silver Samurai, not the smaller one, uh, but and all the Viper mm. stuff just doesn't work. But apart from that, really interesting, good looking movie. James Mangold directing, um, great Wolverine hair, uh, Hugh Jackman, all all the great stuff, and then. Then you get a really solid superhero movie in the Wolverine. Uh, also, uh, definite article as well used the Wolverine, the Suicide Squad in the upgrades. Uh, also important to know. And then you're going from that to Logan, which, you know, 
I watched lately. Um, I was watching my my dad actually, and uh, man, I was just blown away. Man, I, feeling all the emotions uh, watching that movie. It's it might be one of the one of my favorite movies of all time. Don't know if that's too controversial to say. I think it's fucking great. I think it's a, a magnificent piece of filmmaking, um, like a neo western Wolverine movie. Um, that is, uh, it just takes all the great things from the franchise uh, in a, a very flawed franchise and brings them back all in. And there's a nostalgia factor to the movie, and it brings in so much. A love of the of the source material, uh, love of westerns, pays homage to stuff like Shane, and um, just uses a great effect, great action sequences, groundbreaking VFX as well with the uh, Wolverine X twenty four stuff, mind blowing stuff. Um, you know, I think that's the the perfect. Well, I mean. I mean, if it was perfect, obviously the first movie would be good, but no. I mean, like, the the the, the most improved sequels, The Wolverine and Logan, it's it's just, I don't, I can't think of anything else that would, that could top that. I don't know. Is there anything else that, that came to mind, um, Joe? Um, you see, as we were saying, like, it's very rare that you have a movie that's so dog shit that it would then get a sequel. Because it's like, so typically yeah. that would be due to like, you know, commercial success um, or just like a complete course correction, which, you know, in the case of like, you know, Wolverine and, and Suicide Squad, they also had like the commercial aspect, but um, bringing on James Mangold was like the best fucking thing they could have ever done. The only other movie, and this is very random, um, that I can think of is Beyond Skyline yes, with Frank Grillo. Um, which was the sequel to Skyline, which is this very strange alien invasion film that's just really shit. Um, but the sequel was actually really good and it played around with the mythology of the aliens and kind of like the the brain transplant type stuff I thought was kind of interesting. I remember I watched it as a joke. I was like, this is going to be so shit, but who cares? But I was actually pleasantly surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only one that kind of comes to mind. There's also... Um, you know, obviously we've all seen The Exorcist and we got the news that they're going to be making a new trilogy, mm. um, Blumhouse, uh, which I have mixed feelings about. <laughs> I, I don't think yeah. that's the best allocation of, of you know, money. But anyways, um, The Exorcist Part 2 is horrendous, but The Exorcist Part 3, uh, that's a good fucking movie. Mm. Um, the, the Heretic, isn't it? Has one of the... Or is that the second one? Yeah, it has one of the best scares. Um, I'm not sure. But the third one anyways has one of the best scares I've seen in a while with a nurse walking from hallway to hallway. I don't know if you know um, this particular one, James, but um, it's it's a really great film. Hmm. Um, after that, then, I don't really know. I think that's all I got. Well, well, <laughs> At least go- all I can think of. Well, we'll... We'll talk briefly about the just off the top of your head. Just um, what is the movie? What is the worst sequel to a good movie or a great movie? Just off the top of your you head. See, did you ever see the sequel to Speed? Oh, Cruise Control. Speed oh, two. fuck yeah! That's yeah. that's awful. Yeah, with uh, Jason that's Patrick. Rough, Jason Patrick and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, 
Um, God, I mean, smoking the attack Man- the clones. Oh, attack the clones! Yeah. Well, uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace is not. You know, it's not a great movie. Is it? It's not. The thing about the Phantom Menace had Liam Neeson, right? And again, we could talk about the prequels for fucking hours. But the thing about Attack of the Clones is the dialogue in that movie is so horrendous. Yeah. It's actually shocking. Um, I mean, it it makes you kind of physically kind of like, you know, take a try and like get away from the screen. But um, yeah, I think Attack of the Clones is a pretty terrible sequel. Um, Smoking the Bandit 2 and 3. Smoking the Bandit two and three for me. It's yes. Like, yeah. Uh, je- like I haven't seen the third one. De- definition of cash grabs. Smoking the Bandit two is the same thing. It's the same exact plot, and like Burt Reynolds hates that movie. Uh, Sally, it's it's genuinely the exact same thing. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. Like, it's the plot synopsis is the exact same thing, um, except you use words like again after every sentence. That's kind of uh, what you're dealing with. Um, I mean, there's so many, there's so many bad ones, but those are that's probably the most notorious one. Uh, actually, in the in the credits for Anchorman, the first Anchorman, there's um the blooper, uh, a blooper of um Burt Reynolds messing up a line in Smoking the Bandit Two. <laughs> so that's like one of my favorite like credit uh, things, like um probably the best credit thing is just him fucking up his line in the credits of. Uh, Anchorman, um, yeah, the, that's probably that's probably the worst one for me. Um, and then, well, I don't know, there's, Mission there's Impossible. Also- yeah, Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible is great. First one, ninety six, and then uh, the absolute downgrade. Which I don't think I don't think it's terrible, but Mission Impossible two is a noticeable downgrade from the first one. John Woo directing instead of Brian De Palma. And John Woo's a great director, don't get me wrong, but he's just not. It's not it. Not it at all. Um, yeah. What were you going to say there, Joe? I was going to say the sequel to The Blair Witch Book of Shadows, which was mm-hmm. such... It's so shocking how different and... And, you know, there's people who enjoy that film, but I just... I think um, The Blair Witch is... The Blair Witch Project is a masterpiece. Um, which actually, I think it's, it's the anniversary today, I believe. Oh, um, very good. It's t- what is it, 22 years or something? I so, um, so, yeah. yeah, Book of Shadows, that movie should be burned. The movie should just be burned. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, um, yeah. I, I have two, and they're in uh, sequels to beloved um, comedies. Uh, Dumb and Dumber 2, which is oh i can't get into how disappointing that movie is and zoolander 2 which isn't as bad as dumb and dumber 2 there's i laughed there is a few funny things in but quite disappointing like it's um it takes the you know there's a lot of great cameos in 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 the first zoolander but they were they were done very well in in Zoolander 2, they just stick in Katy Perry. Like, Derek Zoolander goes to the top of a building and he sees Katy Perry just singing there for no reason. And, like, that's kind of what you're dealing with. There's some funny things in there. Like, the Mugatu stuff is kind of funny, but, um, yeah, just very, quite disappointing. But Dumb and Dumber 2, uh, yeah, 
one of the worst sequels I, I, I can remember. And I went to see that shit in cinema. I went to see that in cinema. Uh, really, really disappointing. Yeah. yeah, awful stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, God, we could, we could talk about bad sequels all day, but I'd have to make a list. But those are just ones at the top of my head and your head. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, plow on with the rest of the reviews. Um, do you want to talk about Jolt? Sure. <laughs> sure, since we're on the subject of bad movies. Um, uh, yeah. God, where do I even begin with this film? T- tell us um, what Jolt is about anyway first, and we'll move on from there. Okay, yeah. Let me. A bouncer with an anger management problem goes on a revenge-fueled rampage after the murder of a friend. Um, that's a very basic synopsis. Yeah. Now, the reason why it's called Jolt is... She, she has this anger management. She has like this anger problem where she has this vest on and every, every time she like, she's about to like, you know, just unleash upon someone. She like shocks herself, which like before I watched the movie, I was like, okay, this could be interesting. But now in hindsight, I'm like, this is a fucking stupid idea. <laughs> like, this is so fucking dumb. It's like having a dog collar in a person. It's not working. Okay, fix it. You're probably just building up a tolerance. No, I'm not. Look, this is cutting-edge, avant-garde treatment. Okay, well, I'm sure you'll get the Nobel Prize once you're dead. Is that a threat? Can you fix it or not? Okay. Here. Your emotions must be running pretty high in order for you to override the system. Yeah, I have an unnaturally high level of cortisol, so my emotions are running high all the time. You cannot keep using biochemistry as an excuse all the time. So I'm assuming that the date was a disappointment then? I mean, given that its primary function was to test if I could partake in a customary social situation without beating the shit out of someone, then yeah, I would say, yeah, it was a, it was a real disappointment. Um, look, I'll, I'll, I will always give you know, Kate Beckinsale the benefit of the doubt. I, I think she's really great to watch i mean <laughs> aesthetically pleasing yes yeah look i'm here, here's the thing right i'm not saying she's a great actress but she's watchable you know she's she's not like you'd never see her how would i say it i wouldn't expect her to give like a really groundbreaking performance but she's serviceable and i can get by serviceable but in this movie She's 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 serviceable to the movie. <laughs> I'm digging myself in a hole here. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, right? This movie has so many unlikable characters and such a nonsensical plot. It's actually mind blowing how stupid this film is. Um, it starts kind of promising, like it opens with this kind of exposition, kind of like prologue, where it's like this is um, Kate Beckinsale's. Uh, she plays her name is Lindy in the movie and, and how she kind of grew up and how she's had this issue and how she wants to lash out of people and stuff like that. I was like, okay, this, this is good. And then she meets uh, Jai Courtney, who's the boyfriend. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then she just beats the shit out of a waitress for, for really no good reason. And I'm like, what in the fuck just happened? And in the movie, it just goes down this fucking stupid rabbit hole of like, he did this. She's behind that. It's 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 insane. I mean, 
um, there's a twist at the end of this movie. And I don't like saying when there's a twist, I feel like that's kind of a spoiler, but I, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a twist at the end of this movie that honestly, it's as if a four-year-old wrote it. And I know that might seem a bit harsh to the writer, but like, what in the fuck were you thinking? I mean, honestly, like it, it, above all that, like this is an action movie. There isn't that much action in it. And the action that is in it, it's very clear it's a stunt performer. And it's very clear that, you know, they only had like a day to shoot it. I mean, it's poor, really poor stuff. There's a car chase in the movie that, I mean, laughable, honestly. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm lost for words at how terrible this movie is. I mean, Bobby uh, Cannavale, who plays the detective in it, he's okay. Um, Stanley Tucci, I don't know why he ever agreed to be in this movie. He was all right. Um but then there's like this other detective, um, Laverine Cox plays her, and she's just she just says the dumbest things. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's just dialogue in this movie that is so out of place, and it's clear that they're just trying to get a laugh. Um I, I and David Bradley as well is in it, you know, if he was in Game of Thrones and he plays like the disgusting evil person and everything. Um keep away from this movie. Honestly, I, I cannot recommend this film whatsoever. Um, James, I'm actually envious of you that you didn't watch it. Um, um, I might watch it, like the, the you know, because like it, it seems it seems laughably bad. So I'm, I'm I am I am more interested in ever than ever in watching um, Jolt. It's on Amazon Prime if people want to avoid it or, or watch it. Uh, I get from the review that uh, you're giving it a one star. Would I be right in assuming that? No, I'm not. I'm not giving it a one. I'm giving it like a point <laughs> five, and that's just for Kate Beckinsale because I love yeah. her. I think she's great. Yeah. Um, as I said, I think Kate Beckinsale is fantastic. I think you know, I can enjoy the underworld films mm. to an extent. Love and um, Friendship is a great Kate Beckinsale movie that came out a few years ago. Love and Friendship. It's like a period sure. movie. You know, she was great in, in, and I know a lot of people hate this movie. You know, the Total Recall reboot yeah. that they did with Colin Farrell? Yeah, yeah. She was actually really good in that, I felt. I thought she was all right, too. Um, yeah. After that, then, I mean, it's just kind of, yeah, what can I say? Just don't watch this movie. Don't watch. Don't waste your time. Mm. There's better stuff on Prime. Uh, yeah. Watch The Boys. Or Mad Men. You Boys know. or Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, God, this movie was shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. And and if anybody who worked on this movie is listening, I mean no disrespect to you, but like, just learn from your mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick better, pick better jobs. Uh, I, you know, or roles. Um, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm probably in cases I haven't seen the movie, but in cases like these, it's it's not just one person who's the uh, the author author of a, a movie's destruction. It's it's a, it's usually like a lot of people. So uh, we're not blaming any one person. But anyway, <laughs> uh, no, and, and nothing but respect to Tanya Wexler who directed um, the movie. There are some actually. There's some pretty good shots in the movie. Um, if I could give the movie any benefit, mm. um, there's some good shots. I actually think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like shots on the street where it looks like it kind of looks kind of 
it looks interesting. It looks like kind of, I, I wouldn't say like Tim Burton-y, but mm. it's like, oh, this, this has kind of an interesting vibe to it, but there's just so much other shite there where it's like, Jesus Christ, whatever happened. Um, yeah, don't see it. I'm, I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a 0.5. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely get it. I mean, this is, this is how I felt with the Fear Street movies. Honestly, it's just, yeah. I know you didn't like him either, but this makes this makes the Fear Street look like The Shining. Really, um, I, it's it's that bad, James. My God. Um, I'm actually lost for words. Um, yeah, this is only fueling my curiosity. But look, we'll see. I'll 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 report back next week, and uh, we'll it's see. eighty minutes. Oh, okay. it's eighty minutes, and it felt like I was watching the Snyder Cut. Um, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, look, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go anyway, even though you haven't recommended it and it got 0.5 of a stare. Um, but, but, you know, we'll go for I'd it. I'd laugh now if you love it. <laughs> yeah. You love that, this yeah it, well, you know what? If, if it got more than, if it got a two, if I gave it like a two, if it was like a two star movie for me, uh, you know, I'd see that as a win. I would, you know, if it's, if it's meh, like two is meh. And if it was meh, like it's better than like ghastly, but I probably won't like it. But if you want to cleanse the palate uh, after seeing that, you should watch Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, which is on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's uh, directed by Questlove, um, the great musician Questlove. It's, uh, this is his feature debut. Uh, it's, a, it's a documentary about the legendary 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival which celebrated African-American music and culture and promoted black pride and unity. Uh, the performances in this are never before seen. Um, there's actually uh, interviews with uh, people who were children in 1969 who went to this festival. Uh, one individual in particular, um, you know, he tells people about this festival, uh, this music festival, and... Like he, you know, he has to try and convince himself that it's that it was real, like it was as good and as legendary as it actually was. And he's being shown this footage by Questlove, and it's lovely to see. I was a little kid. I remember being with my family, walking around the park, and as far as I could see, it was just black people. This was the first time I'd ever seen so many of us. It was incredible. Families, fathers, mothers, kids running around. I was one of those kids. Beautiful, beautiful women, beautiful men. It was like seeing royalty. Around the park, people were selling food. Mom was cooking. She had her grill, chicken, mac and cheese, maybe some greens, lemonade, Kool-Aid, selling beer, selling headbands, sweatbands, and balloons. I remember that distinctly. It smelled like Afro-Shane and chicken. Growing up in Harlem, if you went to places like that, you went to the movies. Mom fried some chicken, she put it in a foil, and you took it with you. We brought everything to the park. You know, the blankets, the Vaseline for the knees. It was the ultimate black barbecue. 
And then you start to hear music and someone speaking. And you knew it was something bigger. Uh, but the performances here are amazing. Like, okay, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, Mahalia Jackson, BB King, The Fifth Dimension. Um, just absolute, like, giants of music. Um, like, when they were really young, like, a really, really young Stevie Wonder opens up the movie. Um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Oh man, it's absolute treasure trove of music history and American history, black American history. Um, this was like a delight to watch. Um, uh, it was it was two hours long. I've actually seen it twice now. Um, it's just an absolute delight to to watch. Like you could even like I wouldn't recommend like uh, having it on as like a background thing or not. Like you know. Um, at all because like watch or see like with the interviews the inter intercut with the interviews uh the music um is is great and it's just a great uh it complements what you're listening to so so well um yeah and this is this is a great debut from Questlove. like i mean i um he's been sitting on this for, or he's been kind of going through this for like a while now and uh, the footage here is unreal. Like for for a thing that hasn't been seen before, like the amount of footage that is available, like as I said, it's just about two hours long, um, is crazy. Like um, there's so many like there's so many characters here. Like the promoter, like or the the guy behind all this, um, is is such an interesting character. Like um, you know he's he's um, a bit of like uh, an opportunistic kind of guy. He's a guy who kind of makes promises and and breaks them, but it's all kind of for the greater good for for the black community. There's some great interviews as well. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda kind of shows up, and um, you have interviews with with Stevie Wonder now and and Gladys Knight, reflecting on this early stage in, in their careers and their lives. And um, yeah, if you're a music fan, if you're into like Motown or uh, you just want to to kind of uh, you're feeling nostalgic if you were kind of if you lived through that period or anything like that. Uh, this this is like a, a music documentary or a documentary or a feature for for everyone. One of the best might be the best music documentary I've ever seen. Uh, Gimme Shelter is um, probably the god tier in that category, um, just for how explosive. That is, Gimme Shelter is like a horror movie. Um, it's such a thought-provoking piece. Um, you know, it's um, it's up there though. Uh, Summer Sold is on Disney Plus, um, the star section of Disney Plus, of course. Um, yeah, really, really good. Um, but yeah, you'd be checking out that. You'd be checking out anyway, won't you? Oh, I'm just be right up your alley, I'd say. Yeah, I mean. Um, I know it was on my radar, but hearing what you said, and, and you've seen it twice now, so I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to have to give it a watch. Um, I mean, I love, um, you know, musical documentaries. Um, Don't Look Back, the Bob Dylan uh, one is probably one of my favorites. I love that one. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to this song to see 
Um, I like that kind of music as well. So, um, is there much music throughout? Oh yeah, it's like um, 90, 97% music, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's like the interviews are intercut with the with the music, but not in a way that like interrupts the flow of the music. It's in the, it's it's kind of it's always present. It's like an omnipresent thing. Yeah. Um, but like, but the interviews enhance the music. They give it they they give it extra meaning. Uh, what it means to them. Uh, I mean. Lin Manuel Miranda, one of the most celebrated composers, filmmakers, uh, kind of out there. What what this kind of meant to him, and he's with his father as well, who was who saw this, um, and you know they're talking about all this music and how it incited his career and his father's life, and uh, and and you know the interview, um, as I said, Stevie Wonder and um, members of um, Sly and the Family Stone and. Um, it's it's just the insight is fascinating. It's so great, and it, the fifth dimension as well. The fifth dimension was fucking class in this. They're so so good. They talked to the two members of, of the fifth dimension, and they're looking back on and all that. And um, it, music and and the geo kind of geopolitical kind of socioeconomic climate. They're so intertwined, especially with the that era of music. Um. I mean, there was this whole thing with the fifth dimension and how like they weren't exactly like accepted by other black artists because they were perceived to be to have a white quote unquote white sound. Like they sounded like white people and like they they were just, you know, they just kind of rolled. They rolled on. They they, they didn't pay too much heed to it. Like um, and then there's uh, different things with like um different artists where they're not accepted by um you know the the church because their music isn't deemed appropriate and stuff like that it, it, it's fascinating stuff really um it's uh one of the best american history lessons you can give a person uh have them watch this and even if you know a lot of it already you're going to enjoy it it's fa- it's fantastic yeah it's, it's five stars i have to give it i have to give it five stars because of um what a monumental piece it is and how enjoyable it is i'll see it again obviously it's it's so so good and yeah check it out it's in cinemas um in some parts of the uk uh kind of a limited release there i don't know what the story is over here but if you if anyone gets the chance to see it in the cinema ever um whether it be now or in a few months or, or you know definitely check it out you will not regret it um Oh yeah, Summer Soul. There we go. And then we'll move on to uh, Werewolves Within, which is available to rent on uh, all VOD platforms. Um, so uh, this is based on a video game, which I had no clue about. This is a, a virtual reality uh, game that came on the PlayStation about five years ago called Werewolves Within. And um, it was just a game that was... Um, it's basically like a, like mafia, like again, not, not like the mafia series, but like, you know, mafia that you play in like a playground, um, or the, or like that werewolf game that Andrew Garfield was going on about a few months ago where he's, you know, where he was lying about being Spider-Man and yeah. Uh, okay. So, you know, there's a person in, in a group and they're the werewolf, but they have to let on that they're not the werewolf. And that's kind of what the game is. Anyway. So this is like that concept realized in 
a in a feature film. So we have uh, Sam Richardson. He's the the new ranger in this in this small town, and uh, he meets all the local folks. And uh, there are a bunch of colorful characters, and um, he finds out that there is a werewolf um, among the townspeople, and so they have to well, first of all, hide in a hotel uh, from the werewolf and then while also figuring out who the werewolf is. Um, so very much like, um, I guess, Knives Out is being compared to in, in the various synopses I've written or I've read. Um, I think that's fair to say. Uh, but here's a clip from Werewolves Within. Dr. Ellis? I told you, she's probably tanked. Touch this door again, I'll shoot. Again. Dr. Ellis? Knock the damn lock, please. We need answers. It didn't disappear. What did you say? It didn't disappear. Shh, shh, shh. What? It's not Emerson Flint. It's one of you. What the hell is that supposed to be? Okay, well, what did her eyeballs say? We don't understand. Could you just please come out? I'm afraid I can't do that, Ranger Wheeler. You could be one of them. What is she? One of what? I like a lycanthrop. A what? A werewolf. Um, so, Mr. Hines, what do you think of Werewolves Within? Um, I thought it was. An enjoyable, you know, horror kind of comedy. Um, who done it? I, I felt like it kept my attention. Um, I'm not actually very familiar with a lot of the cast. Uh, you know, Glenn Fleshler, who was, you know, obviously bad guy and true detective I knew, and mm-hmm. uh, Michaela Watkins. Um, I'd known Sam Richardson. Obviously, was he was in um, uh, the Tomorrow, Tomorrow War recently yeah. and SNL. Well. Um, and he. Yeah. MSNL, yeah, and he's great in this. Um, and a lot of the cast that I didn't know, I mean, uh, I think her name is Milana uh, Vaintrup, yep. who plays like the male woman. She's fantastic. Yep. Um, Sarah Burns, uh, Catherine Curtin, um, there's a few other cast members, uh, Wayne Duval, Michael Jernus, and, you know, a bunch of other people. They all, it, it, the movie was very well casted. And um, I felt like everyone was funny when they needed to be funny and like hit the jokes and and you know mm. there was nobody where i was like oh shit this person again you know mm. um and that's important that's really important when you have a whodunit that you know the the characters and, and the different people in it they're enjoyable to watch there's not someone where you're like oh shit this person's come back up again um so i feel like the movie did that well um on the jokes this film does this weird thing where it makes like very kind of current political um references which are always kind of out of place um almost like the writer and director or whoever wrote it um were just like they just wanted to shoehorn in stuff to seem like as i said current and um again i'm not saying like it's a bad thing to have that sort of stuff in a movie but when they played for jokes and like you're meant to kind of laugh at it it's like, okay, this is kind of strange. And they do that a few times. Like they make a joke about, you know, like 
sexual harassment and like me too and stuff which i thought was kind of funny but like i don't know i felt like they were trying to get a better laugh um a lot of kind of like race type stuff and um yeah i mean i mean the, the two um the gay couple in it, uh harvey gillen and uh i think i think they were the what was their name it was like walken uh wolfson and devon wilson i think were their names they were really funny um, their lines were fucking killing me every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, then it was, I mean, it was fine. It's an enjoyable whodunit. It didn't blow me away. Um, I'm happy they did what they did towards the end. I was kind of worried there for a second that mm-hmm. they wouldn't deliver, but they did. Um, and yeah, I think the twist is obvious, or at least the reveal. <laughs> obvious, and, but like it makes sense. It's not like they yeah. were just kind of, you know. Mm. pulling a fast one for the sake of pulling a fast one I felt like if you actually think back over the movie you can kind of be like well actually you know what that makes sense mm. Um, I think it's enjoyable I don't know if I just I don't know if I can really say to people though oh yeah just pay the however much to yeah. rent it yeah. I think wait for streaming I, I don't know if it's worth it yeah, yeah. now again um if it's between this and Jolt, I'd say pay 150 euro to watch this <laughs> because it's a better use of your time and money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also I think the movie as like kind of like Jolt. I mean, this movie is shot very well. I actually think there's some shots where it's lit brilliantly and um, it looks kind of beautiful. And um, yeah, uh, a fine film. I'd give it, I'd give it 3.9 out of five okay it's not quite at the four um as i said there was just a few jokes that just didn't land um but overall i felt like it was an enjoyable kind of whodunit i feel like it should have been smarter with the whole werewolf um you know who would sorry with the whole whodunit concept because like you're adapting the game i know i know i'm like most people aren't aware of the game i'm not anyway and i feel like they should have just kind of focused more of uh, the story development on you know how can they make this mystery kind of more um kind of tricky or more ominous and i don't like i had i had i knew who was who the werewolf was from the moment the character appears on screen and then like it's only confirmed whenever you're watching this character and how they react to certain situations um you know so like there was no mystery for me here it's not like you know i know a lot of people are comparing to knives out but like um i didn't know the first time i was watching knives i had no idea where this was going at all uh, it completely subversed um, anyone's expectations. Um, I think you'd be like a genius if you knew where that movie was going from the first moment. I knew exactly where this is going. Um, do you know who this was written by? It was written by a person called um, Mishnah Wolf. Oh, Wolf. Yeah. 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 I saw it in the credits. I saw it in the credits. I was like, what the, this is crazy. It's like, it's like uh, Mark Webb directing the Amazing Spider Man movies. That's kind of what that's like. Um, That sort of um, thing. Um, Do you know uh, Michael Chernus? 
Um, the guy who got his he gets his hand blown off. I don't think that's a sport. Yeah. yeah, he's in um, Spider-Man: Homecoming. He was the 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 thinker or the what's his name? The Mad Thinker. The, tink- the tinkerer. The, the tinkerer. That was it. Yeah, the tinkerer. Yeah, that's the guy. Oh yeah. And he was in um, um, Captain Phillips as well. He was like the second. Uh, he was like the second in command captain guy. He was talking with Tom. Yeah, Hanks right, he yeah, he he has longer hair and like a beard in this, but like in in the other uh, things you'd see him in, like he's just his hair is his hair is different. Like it's, it's a shorter haircut. So, I, I yeah, but um. Apart from that, like I, I didn't like. I think Milana Vintrup is. Um, I think this is like a star making. I don't. I haven't seen her in anything else, but I think this is like, ex an excellent, um, performance. I think she's really great as well. Like she, I want to see her more stuff. Honestly, I think she's absolutely fantastic, uh, in this, and Sam Richardson's great as well. I know I was giving him shit uh, in the Tomorrow War, um, but I I thought he was really charismatic in, in this role as this kind of affable uh kind of do-gooder guy. Um you know I thought it was really enjoyable. Um I think I think this is a really good looking movie I have to say. I, and um the environments like the the hotel and the this particular bar as well they they look great and the um, the forests it's it, um just really great kind of environments really well lit and uh, really, really consistently good cinematography throughout. And um, look, as as you said, and I have to echo this. Like, um, you know, we rented this, and um, I couldn't recommend people. I can't recommend people um, buy it. Like, look, the the rent price is it's low enough anyway. So, I mean, look, rent it, don't buy it, or even wait for streaming if possible. Uh, I'd be I'm on a 3.5 with this one honestly it didn't blow my mind the jokes didn't fully land with me I thought they are going to age like milk um, in a few years um, you know but I think the performances the lead performances from from Vintrup and, and Richardson they do carry the movie they absolutely carry the movie and the, the great cinematography and the I, I thought even the editing uh, I give a shout out to the editing. I thought the editing was pretty great. I thought it was pretty well done, especially like in uh, the early parts of the movie. Like it's when they're kind of building up anticipation for what's about to happen. I thought it was like the suspense is built up very well. Um, but yeah, I'm on a 3.5 with this one, uh, 7 out of 10 sort of thing. Um, yeah, but I, I had a good time with it. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, had some satisfaction from it but um i think from from what we've talked about the suicide squad is a movie to go see go to the cinemas to see that guys that's why that's that's where you want to you want to spend two hours and when you're at home watch summer of of soul which is just a phenomenal piece of landmark filmmaking documentary filmmaking um anything else you want to say joe it's kind of the end of the reviews. No, I mean, yeah, I, I echo what you say about the Suicide Squad. Like, if you enjoy comic book movies, if you enjoy, like, action films, I mean, the Suicide Squad, I meant to say as well, it's like a proper war movie. Um, You can really tell James Gunn he drew from, like, 30 Dozen and stuff like that. Um, I just can't get over how incredible it looked and, and just how much fun I had with it um, and how gloriously violent it is. Um, 
but yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm tr- kind of trying to think of like if there's like a wide variety of, of listeners out there and, and what movie they'd be into. I think I can't recommend Jolt. I just think it's across the board pure bollocks. Um, Werewolves Within, I think it's worth the watch. I think, you know, I, I know I was mentioning the renting price. Um, I think if you have Netflix or stuff like that, you know, there's probably something else you could watch. But like, if you like a good whodunit werewolf film, and and, and there's been kind of a resurgence in, in werewolf movies. Um, you know, we had The Wolf of Snow Hollow, mm. the Jim Cummings film, which I really enjoyed, um, which is always great to see. Um, yeah, I mean, Ron, don't walk or run to the cinema to see The Suicide Squad. It's it's well worth the watch. Yeah. Um well, yeah, just on what you were saying there, in terms of appealing to the most amount of people, and I know I haven't seen Summer of Soul, but I genuinely think Summer of Soul is like a movie that anyone could enjoy. Uh, like, um, even like regardless of like your music taste, like I, I love this sort of music. Um, I've kind of grown up listening to it, but um, I, I feel like it would, it's definitely going to appeal to the most amount of people, um, you know? So yeah, the, the movies of the movies of the week are, are the Suicide Squad and, and Summer Soul. We didn't give um, Suicide Squad a a star rating. I don't think I, I I give it five anyway. What about you? Um, if I want to be a real asshole about, it, I'd give it like four point eight. I think there is just one or two things that I wasn't too happy about, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, I but, fucking, it's nearly but, as close to flawless as... But, but to the nearest whole number, we'd give it four or five. Would you give it five? Yeah, five. Yeah. I'm rounding it up to five. Round yeah. up to, yeah, okay. Fair enough, yeah. All right, so uh, two five-star movies, uh, th- a three to four in Werewolves Within, and then Jolt is other shit. So a wide, you know, a decent selection with one dud. Um, it's fair to say. That's the end of the review section. And by extension, that's the end of the show. I want to thank my faithful comrade in arms, Mr. Joe Hines, for joining me yet again for another deep dive into the world of Cine. Thank you, Mr. Hines. Hope you enjoyed yourself. My pleasure. I did indeed. Thanks for having me on. Um don't go to see Jolt. If I find out that you do, I will slap you silly. <laughs> I know I'm coming on really hard to the movie. It's bad. He will. He will absolutely do that. Anyway, um, with that, we'll sign off. It's a goodbye from Mr. Joe Hines. Bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Um, I'm off to play Fortnite. Uh, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm just going to be playing Fortnite for the rest of the night and for the rest of my life. Uh, wish me luck. And... Um, yeah, we'll have to get some dubs. See ya. Good night. Goodbye. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs>